Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden Archaeology. Forbidden Archaeology. Forgotten History. Divination. Magic. Cryptozoology. UFOs. Nature. Science. And Spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Main Street Universe. My name is Daniel Michael, and this is the show and network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. Now I can imagine a lot. And we can imagine a whole lot. Tonight, our guest is Morgan Daimler, and she will be discussing among other things, but probably heavily on the topic of fairy magic, the fae, the wee folk, uh, the many different names for them. And Fairy Witchcraft is the name of her book, as well as other books that she has written. And before we get to that, I'd like to remind everybody that Main Street Universe is now a network of, I forget how many shows, because we seem to have a new one added every other week or so. There's so many for mine to start. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I thought you were going to try to start yours after this whole like Christmas New Year's mess. I thought that no, wouldn't that. I was going to start it this month. Oh, okay. Well, so. we can try to get that going. I thought you were waiting till after the holiday stuff. But anyway, Janice is going to be doing a show every either Saturday or Friday evening, whichever evening we find. And this will be a bit about women's spirituality. spirituality, and it's going to be called Rhythms and uh, Reflections. Yeah. So it's a nice name. And But right now, we'll start for the ones that are here, and that is, of course, this one, the flagship show, the one that started it all, myself and Mr. Kevin Baird, and that's Main Street Universe, yeah. and that's every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. started off as a morning show, and now we've been in the evenings for quite a while now, 
because I remember people joking around and saying it's the only pagan show that's on in the early in the morning. <laughs> but um, so anyway, uh, Thursday evenings we're using Thursday to have a rotating once a month host, and right now we have returning soon Queen Mother Imaku and Renegade's Wise Woman Radio, as well as Jim and Ashley Cash of their show, Not Yet Named. And they're lovely people. I had dinner with them. This is associate producer Janice Harwhite. Associate producer Janice Harwhite, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I had dinner with them two weeks ago. They're lovely people. Absolutely. And it's always fun to hang out with them, and they definitely give off a a positive energy. There's just something like you just feel nice when you're around them. (laughs) But they've also... Uh, been gracious enough to be on their <clears throat> new album that our band actually for this band it's our first album our band is called Dragon's Head like the head of the Viking ships and Jim and Ashley are doing both vocals and guitar on the album it's, they're a husband and wife band to let everybody know yes, their band is called Woven Green is the name of their band a little too much, so sometimes no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, just playing. Uh, but yeah, they're show now with us once a month. They discuss a lot of things like expanded consciousness. It's very, um, I guess, new age, if you will. And I don't mean new age like in the bad way. It's just very much about uh, connectivity and universal consciousness and things like that, and those are topics that, as well as talking about issues of nature, because Jim is actually very passionate about the mountaintop removal and fracking and things like that, so I'm sure they'll be bringing that stuff up, being from Appalachia folks, I think herself, Ashley, is, so uh, that region is being blown up with a bunch of bombs to get coal, so it's a really strange issue when you look into it. You're just like, wow, you can't believe how much they've already gotten away with, to be honest. A lot. And anyway, so Fridays we have Jesse Ann Nichols George with her show Activating Compassion in the Midnight Hour. And Jesse is the author of four books You, Me, Life, Dream, and its companion workbook, as well as Activating Compassion and its companion workbook. And I have to make a correction because it's no longer called Activating Compassion in the Midnight Hour. Because it's no longer, I had to take a deep breath for that one, it's no longer at midnight. Uh, no, she is, not. She's on a book tour. So now the show happens. I talked to her today. She sounds good. Oh, good, good. And she's all over the place, all over the country. And I know it's, you know, out there on your own doing a tour has got to be kind of tough. At least when I do it, I'll have the whole band to rely on, right? <laughs> so check out her show. It's on, I think, now at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fridays, and sometimes at different adjusted times because she is on tour and is often in her vehicle driving to the next uh, workshop location or a book signing or or class or whatever. Anyway, so then on Saturdays, again, another rotating day. And, of course, right now the one we have currently, who has already done one with us, was the return of Mary Phelan. And Mary has been, I guess now it's been 15 or 16 years, as a, I think, so. as a television host here locally called Telepathic TV, her and Mr. Neville Johnston, who maybe I'll have him on as a guest sometime. I did like his book, Hidden Language Code. It's a very good book. Yeah. It's 
it's probably my favorite book of his. And he's a local person, kind of known around here a bit. They've had that show for 15 years. So. Yeah. Um, and it's just a great book about empowering language. It's, it's Sometimes it's kind of funny and entertaining. I just think it's a good book. About the words we use and the effect they have. A little bit neuro-linguistic uh, programming and all that kind of thing. So... Right now, she's the rotating Saturday host, and we'll have more. Then on Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, we have Spiritual Insight with your host, Mr. Darren Bucare. And Darren... I've been listening to the last couple shows. They're good. Yeah. He is an intuitive consultant reader of palmistry, which doesn't really work on the radio very well, but, but he does do intuitive and tarot readings over the air as well as at Marie Lovo's House of Voodoo in the magical city of New, New Orleans, Louisiana. Louisiana. And as well at Reverend Zombie. So you can catch him at two different shops in New Orleans. So you can see him in person and get a reading from him there. And he does do free readings here on his show. And then that's Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Then Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, we have Science of Light with our host, Mr. Randy Goldberg. He's another local person here. And he's a Vedic astrologer in Eastern astrology, Indian astrology, some people might call it, as well as a Western astrologer. And he enjoys talking about uh, Jungian archetypes. He's very big into uh, Carl Jung and was one time voted one of the top five blog talk radio metaphysical shows to listen to by the little e-zine, if you call it, the little magazine that they send us hosts. And since it's in my name, they sent it to me and said that it was one of their top five recommended. That was a few months back, but still pretty cool that still pretty they cool. did that. So that's 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Randy Goldberg. And then completing our circle here, but not, or as they say, um, it, it is going to continue to expand, but for now, completing, is the Herbal Mastery of Susan Weed. Yeah, and one. <laughs> yes, and we, and, and we talked show. about butter recently, and the healing powers of butter, yeah. <laughs> and, and the way the animals digest it, and then the effect it has on things that we can't break down, and they break it down a certain way for us. Now, she wasn't recommend eating a stick of butter every day, but she was no. just saying it, it does it's actually not have. Holidays, so. <laughs> so her show is called Green Magic, Green Medicine, and it's Susan Weed, the master herbalist, and we're very honored to have her on this network. And it's a little half-hour class every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Thus, for now, completing the circle of shows on the Main Street Universe Radio ready. Network. And as well as uh, World Reggae Party, which Janice is the host of. Every and all these Thursday. every Thursday, but that is on Radio Fairfax, Fairfax. FPA. Yeah. And we might get some episodes of that here. We've done that before, actually. We've, yeah. played, we've played back episodes before of that here. So, our guest tonight is Morgan Daimler, and she's in the queue. We've kept her waiting, I think, long enough. I'm going to go ahead and turn on her microphone. Welcome, Morgan. Welcome, Morgan. Hi, Janice. How are you today? Uh, I'm okay. How are you guys Good. doing? Good. Well, Morgan and I uh, met um, 
earlier last month at Changing Time, Changing Worlds, where we were both teaching, and I think uh, one of my classes overlapped your class. Uh, but I did get to say hello and introduce myself, and, and tonight we're going to be talking about uh, your books, but more particularly uh, fairies and uh, fairy witchcraft. Oh, what? That's always a fun topic. Yes, yes. So I'd like to start the uh, ball rolling, so to speak. What is a fairy? <laughs> um, I get that question a lot, oddly enough. Um, you know, the term fairy, a lot of people use it, and they immediately sort of picture that either a Tinkerbell figure or that very Victorian image of like the little garden flower fairies. Um, and those, you know, certainly exist somewhere, I'm sure. But really when we, when we talk about fairies, it's, it's kind of a, a catch all term. Mm-hmm. Um, when we say fairy, it, it really applies to anything to not clearly something else, not angelic um, or demonic or, um, an elemental or, you know, obviously in a different category. Um, so fairy is just a very broad term. Um, mm-hmm. like animal. Um, you have some fairies that are very tiny. Um, you have some that are very large. You have some that look like people, you know, some that look like animals. Um, it's a, just a really wide ranging, um, category. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so there, you were saying there were different forms of fairy, like some look like humans, um, some animal shapes, some, you know, different dimensions. Could it be also yeah. like an energy and not a shape? Yep. Yep. Um, some of them, people describe them as not really having a, a clear form. They just appear sort of as light. Um you know, the the thing with fairies that makes it sort of a fascinating subject but a difficult one sometimes to, to study is that fairies are found in pretty much every culture around the world. I've, I've never found one yet that doesn't have them. They're not called fairies, of course, in, in every culture, but um, that same sort of category of being, um, something that's not usually um, clearly good or bad but sort of in a liminal place in between um you when you look at them around the world you'll see this this huge variety in in forms that they can take um a lot of them are shapeshifters so Mm -hmm. you'll see um like in uh, japan they have the kitsuna which are um, fox spirits fox maidens um they can appear as human women they can appear as foxes they can appear as kind of an amalgam of both um, it'll it'll look sort of like a human woman, but it'll have fox tails. Um, mm. y- you know, you see the same thing in the Irish. They have the um, the pukas and the kelpies, uh, which can appear as people, but they can also appear as horses and dogs and goats. Um, so you see a lot of things like that where it makes it kind of hard to really pin down um, a description sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very... Um, liminal sort of beings. Um, They exist in our world, but they also exist in the other world, um, which is a world that's 
some people will say they exist in the astral. Um, I, I tend to have a different view on that. I think the astral plane is something separate from the world the fairies live in. Um, the the underworld, um, it's very similar to our world. And it's sort of, um, I like to use the analogy of saying it's like if you have a piece of paper, if our world is one side, um, the other world would be the other side of the piece of paper. Uh-huh. Um, so they're very thinly separated. Um and the the fair folk can kind of go back and forth between our world and their own world. Okay. Hey Morgan, this is Dan, and I had a it was, this is actually a personal experience question, and just curious of your opinion of it. it was, we are actually doing a show with our Sunday host Darren Bouquet, and I sort of operate the board when we do the show, and then he takes the calls. But the conversation came up about personal experiences, and I told him, and just in just spiritual experiences or interesting dreams. We weren't really talking about fairies at first. Now, Darren's a very experienced spiritual practitioner. So anyway, I was curious of your opinion on this story. Because when I was a kid, I had, or at least my memory of it, was I had for at least a few years a reoccurring dream of me and my sister sitting in one of the rooms of the house and being visited by this large like woman that sort of spun out of the floor. And she had dark hair. And she was, it was all very friendly. It came like it was very musical and almost chanty. Mm-hmm. And he just instantly said, that sounds like a fairy visit. And I'm just curious what your opinion of that is. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of agree with them. Uh, it definitely does sort of have that, that feel to it. And they do use dreams to communicate with people. Um, fairies do and, and land spirits do as well. Um, because we're more open and receptive communication when we're asleep um so if, especially if it was a repetitive dream it's entirely possible that it was um a being that was sort of reaching out to you for some reason um and they do sometimes just uh take a liking to someone right um, and and decide that they're gonna befriend that person um or you know want to have some sort of connection to that person so it could have been you know, one that just decided that she liked you or you and your sister for some reason. Yeah, and um, I don't know if my sister has any memory of it, but my sister is also always very gifted in these things, even maybe more so than me. I just pursued the metaphysical world more than she did, but she was always very just naturally gifted, and to her it was just like part of life and she, not part of something you pursue, you know what I mean? So whereas to right. me I wanted to like know everything, you know. And uh, so long story short, it was. It was reoccurring, and I think it would happen at, at at a certain time of year, and I would remember it and even go, oh, I think I'm going to be visited by – I won't say the name on the air just in case there's something strange about that, but I even remember what the entity's name – or what the name sounded like, even if my memory has clogged it up a little bit. And it would be – it was a little bit musical and chanty and and whispery, and, it would, and then when she would finally form, it was very – pleasing. Everything was just very happy. Of course, we were little kids, but, but it was like everything was just very positive, and there was there was nothing scary about it at all in the, in the dream. And I would go, oh, she's back, she's back, she's back. You know what I mean? And <laughs> so anyway, I just thought I would share that experience, and then Darren jumped right in and said, oh, I think that sounds like a, a fairy visit. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds more like a, a fairy visit, to me anyway, um, than anything else um, that I could think of to explain it. Uh, and they they do sometimes just you know take a liking to someone, so 
you know, she might have just decided that she liked you. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> so this kind of reminds me of Peter Pan. So, and I know that's coming up on NBC tomorrow night because uh, they keep advertising it. So Peter yeah. Pan is uh, considered to be a fairy as well. Yeah, um, that's an interesting story kind of all around um, the, the Peter Pan story. Um, because, of course, the, the fairies are kind of notorious for stealing children um, yeah. in general. I mean, and I, I should preface all of this by saying my personal focus is mostly Irish um, and a little bit of Norse. Um, so most of what I talk about is, is going to end up referencing uh, those two cultures just because those are the ones I studied the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Irish and the Norse, um, the the fair folk are pretty well known for stealing children. Um, so it's interesting when you look at Peter Pan that that's kind of what he does. Yes, you know he that is, goes out and finds. That's what I thought he does. You know, yeah. <laughs> Not that I studied him, but I'm, I've seen enough movies. Um, yeah, yeah. He, so he's a stealer. So and, yeah, and um brings them away to a world where they don't age and they don't grow up. Um, and that's all very fey, fey sort of a thing to do. Um, definitely an interesting, interesting story. Um, I know I have to admit, uh, and my, my, my kids can't hear me saying this, so I should be safe. I, I really don't like the modern Tinkerbell movies. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they've just really taken fairies in, in a very different direction than the traditional cultures view them in. The Tinkerbell in the original Peter Pan was not too off from the way fairies are, are really viewed. You know, she wasn't particularly nice and she did kind of try to get Wendy killed. Um, right, she didn't right. like Wendy. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, traditionally fairies have that sort of material you know, if they like you, then they like you, but if they don't like you, then they're they're going to try to mess up your day. Um, and that, that's definitely the more old-school viewpoint on them. So let's take that to our next question and get a little bit back now. We've talked about personal experiences and talked about in the, in, the, in, in story and fiction with Peter Pan. Now let's take it back to the to the practice of either working or at least just acknowledging fairies. Let's get back into that for a minute. One, I would say, if you've come to the point where you do believe that these entities are there, whether it be in your garden, in your house, or just in your life, or on that mound over there, what are some things to, because as you mentioned, if they like you or they don't, they might mess up your day, to help appease the fairies, or at least get them to to they won't, um, do something bad at least. What are some things right. that they like? Oh. Either not just a physical gift, but even maybe a behavioral pattern might even be something interesting. Right. Well, that's that's a good point actually. Um, they they tend to like people in general that are generous people. Um, they like people that are happy people. Um, basically, if you live your life in a way that um, makes you the sort of person that other people would like to be around. Um, that's kind of the same energy that fairies are drawn to. Um, they generally don't like people that are very stingy, um, that are mean, mean-spirited. Um, they 
sometimes um, certain ones in particular are known to have issues with people that are lazy, um, you know, things like that. So, you know, they tend to prefer the the happy, hardworking, um, generous sorts of people. Having those attitudes is going to draw them um, to you, or at least encourage them to be um, more likely to like you if they're around. Um, offerings for them, you know, you have a lot of options. I Again, I tend to take a very traditional view. Uh, milk is probably the biggest one um, traditionally. Um, and you see that, again, you see it in the Norse, you see it in the Irish, um, Scottish, the different Celtic um, approaches. Uh, and that would be left out. Um, some people would only do it on uh, quarter days. Um, and the, the quarter days in the Irish are um, Imbolc, Bialtina, Vinata, and Salon. Um, I know in some traditions they, they call those the cross quarters. I just want to clarify which ones I'm talking about. Um, on those specific days, you would leave a little offering um, for them. Other people will do it once a month, um, or uh, some people traditionally in the Irish, you would do it once a week, um, leave out a little bowl of milk for them. Uh, and it's believed that they, they don't actually consume the physical milk itself. They consume the essence of it, um, the the substance, the spirit of it. Um, and then once it, the spirit's taken out of it, it doesn't have any value. So you can kind of do whatever you want. Or a lot of times people would leave it out for animals because um, it was thought that once the fairies had taken what they wanted, it was fine, whatever happened to it after that. Um, other things are, you know, uh, cream, um, anything, a milk product like butter, uh, porridge um, was another real common traditional one, uh, bread. Um, bread is pretty common. In, in a modern context, I find that um, cookies and cake and any kind of baked good is a pretty good way to go. Um, so I'll do that, that kind of stuff sometimes. And um, alcohol, uh, I try to go easy with that one myself. But that is a traditional offering for them. Interesting. Uh, I also heard that honey was good as well. Yes. Yes, that's a good point. I forgot that one. Um, yeah, that you also like honey. Um, I I can't think of anything that doesn't like honey, to be honest. Honey's just kind I of awesome. I love honey. That yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wondered about... Because sometimes people will say anything that's sweet. And I've often wondered if that has something to do with the fact that, you know, when you think of, like, some larger winged insects, and, you know, you put out something sweet and you'll attract all sorts of bugs, right? And I've always been wondered if there was some kind of connection there, but that's just that's just me. It was just a curiosity of mine. Um, you know, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, they definitely do seem to like candy and sweet things. Um, definitely also milk. Uh, milk is like the biggest one all around. But um, the candy and the sweet things are, are pretty high up there on the list of, of stuff they like as offering. Um, don't know why that is, but, you know, it works. So I can be very pragmatic sometimes with stuff. As long as it works, I don't question it too much. Sure. I like that too. <laughs> I'm not usually like Other a perfectionist times, like, that, want, that has to have things always a certain way. I kind of go with, I experiment with what I do, and then if it starts working, that's what I do, you know, and I just keep doing it. And 
I can be like that. Right. Now, now we've gone to, you know, maybe appeasing them. Now let's go to another thing that I think a lot of people, if they're listening or if they will in the archives, because we actually get more archive listens sometimes than live. So people interested in this topic, especially if they're new to it or new to people actually believing in it, might have, and of course I guess I don't want you to reveal anything that, (laughs) too much, but one thing that of course people will ask, and it's a very common question, what can be done to encourage or just straight up, what is a technique for how to see them? Okay. Um, that's a good question. Uh, and, yeah, that, that definitely is uh, something people are curious about um, in my experience, too. I mean, certainly some people um, are just more prone to seeing them uh, in the Irish it's um, called the second sight or spirit sight. Um, just people who have that ability to see um, spirits and fairies. Um, there's in folklore certain things, like if you have a four-leaf clover you carry with you, that's supposed to help you see fairies. Um, wearing lapis lazuli is supposed to um, help you be able to see fairies. Um, you know, little things like that. I think being open to them being there, in my personal experience, um, you know, with, with people that I've I've talked with that have been interested in this path and sort of gotten into um, honoring uh, the fair folk, um, it seems like the more open you are to it and the more you start making offerings and sort of putting out there that you're interested um, the more you'll start to have experiences and catch even just little glimpses of things out of the corner of your eye. Um, you know, the the thing is they're, they're always there. Um, we mostly can't see them because they have a, a specific type of magic called glamour, um, which makes us not acknowledge that they're there. Um, Sort of like if you if you watch Harry Potter because everyone watches Harry Potter, um, that Harry Potter idea of like the invisibility cloak. Um, yeah, you know, they're there. Our eyes acknowledge that they're there. Um, you know, so it, it's more a matter of them deciding to let us see them. I think in most cases, um, than really anything we could do artificially to sort of. Um, make them visible, if that makes sense. Okay. Yes, it makes sense. And I know you went over the holidays in Balk, Samhain, um, Spring Equinox. Um, are there any um, holidays that we w- that humans will be associated with that fairies also do, like Christmas or anything? Um, basically, uh when we look at the the holidays with the fairies, the the quarter days are the bigger ones um, with the fairies that we know, especially from Irish lore. Um, It said on the quarter days, um, and I'll I'll try to remember not to say them in Irish so that everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I have a bad habit sometimes of um, 
saying things in Irish and they don't say, it doesn't sound the same. Um, but that would be in bulk, uh, February 1st, um, Beltane, May 1st, um, Lunasa, August 1st, and then Samhain, um, November 1st are the days when the, the fairies are said to move their houses, um, mm-hmm. which wherever they happen to be living, whether it's the, um, the she, one of the hollow hills, um, or uh, pretty much anywhere else. Um, those are the days when they would move from one place to another. Um, so it's the days where they're the most active and mm-hmm. people are most likely to, to run into them and experience them. Um, from a fairy witchcraft point of view, um, fairy witchcraft being a sort of modern neo-pagan take on the old fairy faith practices, uh, we use those four days um, to make offerings to them and um, to sort of honor that transitional period. Um, in the Norse, those same times would be midsummer and midwinter mm-hmm. um, when they're the most active and they're um, sort of around more than usual. Um, midwinter, which of course is coming up now, um, the winter solstice, is also the time uh, when you would want to make sure you leave an offering for your house spirit. Um, and I, speaking of changing times, changing worlds, I ended up talking about this quite a bit at one of my classes there. Um, every house has a house spirit. Um, yes, of I agree. Fairy. Um, and I think anyone who's interested in this subject, the, the first place you want to start is by honoring and, and sort of making friends with your house spirit. Um, because that's that's the one that you're going to deal with the most. That's the one that it makes the most sense to start with. Um, different cultures will have a, different opinions on exactly what sort of fairy would, would live in your home. Um, I think there's a little variation. Different people experience different ones. But um, in my experience, you know, if your house fairy, if your house spirit is happy with you, um, they they can make the whole atmosphere of your house more pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, people will get along better. It just it's a happier, nicer place to be. Um, I've been in a couple places where the the house spirit, um, the fairy that was there, was not at all happy. Um, the people that were there, and you can feel it in the energy. Um, it's just, you, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of um, discomfort without a clear source. Um, it's just, you get that feeling like you really don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Sort uh, of like a haunting in a way? Kind of, kind of. And I actually have um, had situations where people, um, I, uh, preface this a little backstory. story. Uh, my friend owns a store, um, an occult shop in Norwich, Connecticut, and I go in and help her out sometimes at the store. Um, so we'll get people coming in sometimes, you know, with questions about how to deal with spirits and hauntings and things like that. Um, and there's been a couple of times where people have come in saying that they had a haunted house. And the more they talk about it, it becomes really clear that it's not a, a haunting. It's not a human ghost. Um, that it's probably a, a issue with fairies. Um which is not good because it's that much harder to deal with that um, than it is to deal with a human ghost. Um, but it can seem very similar. You get the same sort of, you know, noises, um, stuff, 
getting knocked over and broken, um, just sort of weird activity, um, not feeling like you're being watched um, when there's no one else around, um, cold spots, feeling like you, you don't want to be in certain places, um, you don't want to be in the house at all. Um, so there's there's definitely a lot of similarities between the Interesting. Two. So while we're on the subject of spirits, um, who are the gods of fairy witchcraft? That is a good question. Um, Fairy witchcraft is a very organic path to follow. Um, It's it's not like some other um, some other types of paganism where uh, it's very strict and rigid about who you need to honor. Um, people who come into it, if you already have a very set um, culture or pantheon that you're already working with or honoring um, or worshiping, usually you're going to find studying any culture that there's one god or goddess that has a strong association with particular spirits. Um, in the Greek, it's Hecate. Um, in the Norse, it would be Odin because um, he's associated with the wild hunt. Um in Germany, it would be Woden or um, Frau Holda or Berkta. Um, pretty much any of the Irish gods, because uh, their mythology says that they went into the hollow hills and became um, part of the the fairies, if you will. Um, so certainly any of those gods uh, can be honored in fairy witchcraft. We also have um, four specific ones that are sort of unique to fairy witchcraft. Um, I call them the liminal gods because they're uh, sort of have that liminal in-between energy. Um, Two of them, a god and a goddess, uh, rule over the summer um, from Beltane to Samhain and then two rule from Samhain to Beltane. Um, The ones in the summer months would be uh, the Lady of the Greenwood and Lord of the Wildwood. And then in the winter months, um, it's the Hunter and the Queen. Um, They don't have any names beyond the titles. And I I find that people tend to connect with them differently. Um, They're very changeable in how they'll appear to people. Uh, But their energy is fairly consistent. Um. I don't know how much you want me to get into the theology with this because I don't want to bore you guys. Uh, but they they switch who rules the year um, at those changing times at um, Beltane and Samhain. Okay. Um, are there Egyptian uh, fairies? Because I, I heard that Bez, uh, B-E-S, is a, is a fairy. I was going to say it's entirely possible, um, and I'm embarrassed to admit this because my husband is actually a Semitic pagan. Um, okay, but I don't know. I don't know a ton about Egyptian mythology. Oh, bad, so bad girl! <laughs> I really am. It's well, I know a lot about um, it, but um, but I I tend to go with the the African slash Egyptian gods more than, let's say, you would be. But I did hear that Beth was one of them. So. I know that he, um, 
from what I understand anyway, um, that Bess does kind of have that sort of liminal position um, where he, he might be a god, um, unless I'm thinking of someone totally different, um, or he might be something closer to to a fairy. Um, I know that there are fairies in Egyptian mythology. I just can't think of any of them right now because I, like I said, it's not a strong point, which I hate to admit because um, it's it's the main thing that my husband does, but it's just not something I've um, put a lot of time into studying. I'm never going to hear the end of this. You guys realize that. <laughs> right. Oh, that's okay. We all are drawn to different uh, things. Um, I myself lean more in the Celtic and Norse, even though I'm eclectic, but the Celtic and Norse, in fact, I'm wearing a Norse rune right now, uh, a fail. And I would like to ask for those listening, we're talking about, okay, now we've acknowledged these beings' offerings. Uh, can we see them? What about working with them? And what I mean is not saying it in the wrong way. But when you when somebody says fairy witchcraft, fairy magic, what sorts of things are ideal to ask the fae to help you with? What are like maybe tasks better suited for them than maybe some other tasks, perhaps? Um, it depends a little bit on which um, which fairies happen to be around. Um, you know, like certainly with your your house spirit, your house fairy. Um, Things like finding lost objects uh, in the house, um, things like helping improve the atmosphere or the mood. Um, I've had that before where just, you know, you get that kind of funky mood going on um, with the family. You know, I'm I'm married, I have three kids. So every now and then we get a little funkiness between people. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you can sort of ask you know, in that case, because um, they influence moods so much, to help just sort of get everyone in a better frame of mind. Um, generally speaking, um, the the good neighbors, the fairies in general, um, can help influence things like health, um, luck, um, finances. Again, it depends a little on, on which ones, but um, all of that kind of stuff... Uh, they can affect. Um, I find that the thing that most often you'll you'll tend to experience is um, the health and the luck. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know finances, I, I do know people that have had good results with that. Um, you gotta be a little careful with how much you you directly ask them for. Um, you tend to do better to just make offerings and sort of put it out there that you want. Um, to have the connection and the, the friendship with them. Um, and then if they like you and if they like the offerings, they'll tend to to create the positive things for you without you having to actually ask for them. Um, and, of course, the flip side of that is all the stuff that they can do in a positive way, they can also do in a negative way. Um, right. They can cause illness. They can, you know, cause a lot of bad luck. Um that was going to be my next question or my next statement that you can comment on is I've had people tell me before that the, the 
I don't want to necessarily use the word danger, but it could be it could be applicable in that the danger that can come from working with the Fae is that they have, it's important to remember that they have completely different priorities than you. This is what one old lady I remember one time telling me, saying their priorities are different. Now, if they like you, they'll do nice stuff for it. But like you just said, if you ask in the wrong way or if you kind of just seem like you're a little bit um, disrespectful, driven, whatever the case may be, pushy, rather than just sacrificial and offertory and then wait for the good, like you said, the luck, uh, they don't have, they don't necessarily value what you value. So if you're asking for that raise at work, they could almost not care. But if they like you, then they're like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they like you, they might go, oh, okay, well, we'll kind of swing swing stuff his direction, her direction. So let's talk about the dangers of working with them. Right. Well, and that's that's an excellent point. Um, the, the thing that makes it difficult um, and something that I recommend when people are first getting into it, you, re- you need, really need to read a lot of mythology um, to see the different patterns of how people interact with them successfully um, and also, you know, what happens when you don't. Um, but one of the biggest challenges is they really have a very different etiquette system than we do. Um, they have a very different perspective on a lot of things. Um, they in my experience, they don't really grade on a curve. So the fact that you don't know something is rude or you don't know something offends them, um, they're really not going to be very forgiving of it just because you didn't realize. Um, So you do have to be a little cautious uh, with that. And you certainly don't want to piss them off um, if you can avoid it. And that's true for any, any kind of fairy. Um, you know, one example is, and, you know, I was always taught this, and I've read it uh, beyond that in several places, that you don't ever say thank you to them um, for a couple reasons. Uh, obviously, no one knows for sure because they don't tend to tell you the reasons behind a lot of things. But, you know, possibly because it's very dismissive, um, sort of like saying, oh, you know, thank you, and now you can go on your way. Um, but the the other part is that when you say thank you, it kind of implies a debt. You're acknowledging that they've done something for you and that you owe them something. And the thing about fairies um, is that debt is a huge thing for them, the idea of owing someone something. Um, they will take things and borrow things, but they always pay back whatever they take. Um, they return it or they'll... Um, in the old Irish folklore, you know, a stranger would come to someone's door and they would need to borrow, you know, milk or flour or what have you, um, oats. They would always get paid back, but sometimes it would get paid back in something that we would not necessarily see as an equivalent value. We might see it as much more valuable, maybe. Um, but to them, it's kind of the same thing. You know, they have to give back what they feel is equal to what they took. Um, but that goes both ways. So if, if they feel like you um, took something from them or you're acknowledging that you owe them something for something that they did for you, um, it can kind of put you in a dangerous place for what they're going to decide to take to replace that. Um, 
Okay. You always want to be really careful that with that. So that that reminds me of another question. What are the ethics of the system of fairy witchcraft? What uh, you're gonna to have to repeat that because I missed part. Oh, sorry. What are myself. the ethics of the system? Oh, ethics, ethics. Okay. Um, when it comes to fairy witchcraft, um, we we don't really have um, the concept of harm none per se that a lot of um, that Wiccans have and that a lot of uh, other modern pagans have. Um, it's more the idea of responsibility, personal responsibility. Um, that you you take responsibility for your own actions, for whatever you do. If you're willing to do anything, whether it's mundanely or magically, um, you have to be willing to deal with the consequences of whatever that is, um, for, you know, good and for bad. Uh, If you're going to help someone by doing healing work, then you have to accept the consequences of doing that healing work, whatever that ends up being. Um, if you, you know, feel like you need to do something that might generally be considered more um, negative, like a binding or a banishing, for example, um, you really have to look yourself at whether you're willing to accept the consequences of that. Um, so it's a lot about personal responsibility. Uh, there's also uh, a big thing in fairy faith in general, which carries over to fairy witchcraft. Um, the idea that no matter what you do, if you make a promise, you you keep your word. Um, so part of the ethics is the idea that if, if you say you're going to do something um, or if you give your word about something, then you follow through. Um, well, that's what... Um... Well, that's what I expect because when I give somebody my word... I definitely want to follow through, and I want to have the same type of behavior um, come from another person, that if they're going to say, um, I promise to do this, you know, your word is your bond. So I quite understand that. Exactly. A lot of people don't seem to have that these days. So <laughs> That's one of the reasons I, I, I pointed out. Um, but, yeah, it's it's that idea that your word is your bond. Um and uh, I had actually read this a long time ago in uh, Sybil Leak, uh, her book Diary of a Witch, which is an excellent book, by the way. I highly recommend it. Um, but uh, she was talking at one point about your magic is only as strong as your word um, because uh, the magic that you do comes from uh, your strength of will. Obviously, you know, she was writing in the 70s, a very old school perspective. I don't think everyone would necessarily agree with this now, but I really uh, embraced it. Um, And the idea that if you're always true to your word, if you always do what you say you're going to do and keep your word, that makes your will stronger. Because when you say something in a magical framework, um, it resonates more because you, you do what you say you're going to do. As opposed to someone who's always, you know, saying, I'm going to do that, but then they don't do it when they get into a magical context and they say, you know, so motive B, let this happen, their their word doesn't have as much strength behind it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And they're strong, they're decisive. I used to say that 
about uh, the difference between when some people in experience, say, try to do an exorcism or banish or just negative energy or whatever, they'll do things like almost like they're placing a request, and it's like, could you please leave? That's the worst possible thing you can do. You've got to be assertive. You've got to be like, get the break out of my house. You know, it really has to be very assertive and confident. Or now, I'm not talking about in this case uh, specifically the Fey, but I'm talking about if something negative is in your in your place. You can't be a request. It's it's not a request. It's not a request. <laughs> you're right. leaving, yeah. and you're using right. divine authority to make them leave. Not maybe not just your your own power, but uh, but knowing that that's with you, it's it's very authoritative and not. You know, like you see, it, it, like there's so many horror movies like that. Somebody just burns a little sage and is like, "Well, I'd like you guys to leave," and then it gets way worse or whatever. And um, right. it's because they're not actually doing it right. Holy Roller shows like 700 Club, where people have done that. They're like, "Well, I did the thing and I burnt the sage, and then the haunting got worse." But it's because they didn't really know. You know, they weren't really a practitioner that was yeah. confident in what they were doing. And all you did was sort of poke them and irritate them, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. Gave them, gave them some nice energy and encouraged them. Yeah. Um, that actually reminds me, though, of something I did want to mention. Um, since we're talking about honoring the fairies and encouraging them to be around you, um, if someone finds themselves in a situation where they don't want fairies around them, um, maybe you have you know, the fairies that are around you are, are being very problematic. Um, there are certain things you can use as protection um, against them. I don't right. recommend doing this this kind of stuff unless you are really sure that you, you don't want them around you. Um, although you can also do certain things just in a, a particular room. Um, for example, like if you have a small children, because uh, the fairies are known to be sort of drawn to small children, not always a bad idea to do some protections just around the kids' rooms to make sure that they leave the kids alone. Um, but things like iron, um, horseshoes over the doors, um, right. iron nails over the doors, um, broom, uh, not like the broom you sweep with, but the plant, the herb broom right. um, hung up, that, that'll keep fairies away. Um, Rowan wrapped in red thread if you can get the Rowan Um, St. John's wart actually is also another um, good protection against fairies Um, and if you have a really intense situation going on um, sulfur will drive fairies away I I don't blame them because sulfur is horrible and smells god awful Um, so I I think it will drive pretty much anything away uh, if that's and tossed her out. <laughs> no, but that's, but that, that's, that's a good thing to go over. over. What if you've had, you know, bad experiences and you need them to step off or at least need, because it could be good and bad around you, at least you need to maybe the just, you know, what's bad around you to step off. Right, right. I mean, I, um, most of my spirituality is based around um, honoring the, the fair folk and, and nurturing relationships with them, but I have a, a two-year-old son, and I have broom hung up in his room, um, right. you know, and things like that. Because, you know, even though I, I do this sort of stuff, it's my main thing. You know, you, certain things you don't take chances with. Yeah, you don't take and, chances. You know, <laughs> right. Right, right. Um, 
and you know you can sort of set aside particular spaces and say okay you know this this room or this area is sort of the quiet area where where the fairies are not allowed um and i i have actually known someone who was having an issue um similar to what would be seen in like a haunting um but it wasn't a haunting it was it was fairy activity um, and what she did was she took a, a spray bottle with water and put iron in it, um, kind of like if you know what war water is, um, yeah. where you put a nail in it. Yeah. Um, so it's basically war water in a spray bottle. Um, and she just sprayed it around the room that was having the problem, and that will get them to leave. Uh, that will drive them out. You just want to be really sure that you want to do that because um, it's also not going to make them very happy. Uh, so I look at it as kind of a last-ditch sort of thing. But I wanted to make sure I mentioned it in case, you know, people are in a situation where they need to be aware of that. Okay. Okay. Now, we're coming down to it. We're on the closing arguments here, and I want to remind everybody that you are the author of a book called Fairy Witchcraft as well as some other ones called Where the Hawthorn Grows, The Morgan, Meeting the Great Queens, and is there a place where they can purchase these books? Yep, um, everything. Uh, I have uh, actually ten books out. Um, I, I do. I have a couple urban um, fantasy, and then all the rest is nonfiction. But um, all of them are up on Amazon. Um, so okay. If you go on okay. Amazon.com, you can find them. If you send, or I'll get the link. We'll put it on the archive. I didn't see a link before for that. And of course, I, sure. um, it, it, this happened kind of quickly. So, so we'll put it in the archive. And honestly, we get more listens on the archive than live anyway. So that'll be a better chance, and maybe some people will click over and see that. But I want to thank you very much for joining us this evening. Yes, thank you, Morgan. Oh, yeah, I had a lot of fun meeting you thank at Change Your Times in World. I had a lot of. Fun. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank that you was a very for inviting me. And I Go see. Ahead, I can't even stop talking now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. But anyway, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you guys for having me. And it's Morgan Daimler. We were talking mostly about fairy witchcraft. She has written a book on the topic as well as others. You can check it out Amazon.com. Thank you all. You've been listening to Main Street Universe, the show and network reminding you of the mysteries and possibilities the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. And I can hear my band is coming in, so that's destroying <laughs> me. Um, Have a great evening. Thank you, Morgan. And thank you, Janice, for joining us. Yes. Have a great evening, everyone. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.